You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing leaders in the church and the wider culture. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing the best of these conversations, plus some brand new ones as well. It was leadership expert John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. Some have massive influence through their role as a leader of a church or business, a charity or a family. Others have influence in their neighbourhood, a network of friends or through leisure interests. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity Magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. Jesus did it, and some of the best and most accomplished leaders benefited from it. I'm referring to mentoring or coaching, the one-to-one work, which is one of the many tools used for leadership development and discipleship in the local church, and also, of course, in the charity and the business world. When the tool is used well, it can enable us to grow and flourish. But there is a more challenging side too, and not everyone coached or mentored has flourished. Indeed, some have left disillusioned and upset by their treatment. Well, to discuss this, I'm joined by Andy Campbell, who works as a coach at Qua Coaching and is the author of Using Coaching in Youth Work, a practical guide to being coached and coaching others. So welcome, Andy, to The Leadership Show. Thank you. Uh, so much of your time is spent uh, coaching, no doubt. So um, tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah, sure. So I set up Qua Coaching uh, four years ago now. I'd become a qualified coach. Um, and then the pandemic hit and it, it became an all or nothing self-employed nightmare. Um, which has been a, an exciting ride um, to do. So I offer a coaching, um, mental health, first aid training, uh, safeguarding training, and a lot of um, kind of mentoring and um, other support work for people, mainly in the community and church sectors. And, and just so people know, the spelling of QA coaching is Q-A-W-A-H? That's correct, yeah. It's, a, it's rooted in a, a Hebrew word I found there were too many Andy, Andy Campbells to call it Andy Campbell coaching. And the Hebrew road it, it, word is rooted. It means kind of persistent hope, really, which is an important motif for me. Well, indeed, that's a great um, idea to have in your mind as you're looking for coaching and mentoring, particularly if uh, you're struck, str- struggling or stuck in some way. So I've, I've paint, I painted mentoring and coaching in the negative sense because I think it's important, mm. particularly for some leaders and um, overseers who perhaps are a little nervous about coaching and mentoring because of some of the downsides, which they maybe anticipate in their own mind and hearts. And because perhaps they've, they've observed in other situations that um, have been around. Um, So, so obviously positively, the Bible urges us to, to walk with Christ. And in the case of those with, with a leadership role to be a, a good example to the flock in a youth leadership context, which of course, you know, well, we want young people to admire their youth leaders, to aspire to be like them. This is all well and good. Um, uh, and obviously mentoring and coaching can assist that process, but uh, there are some significant potential dangers. So I pro- perhaps we could explore some of those and then look at how we mitigate them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you, you, you've alluded to some of the significant dangers there already. I mean, I think, you know, you talked about um, 
we we'd like our young people to admire their youth leaders and aspire to be like them um and there's an inherent danger in there you know that the, the the youth leader or the young person uh puts the youth leader on a pedestal um youth leaders love getting their egos massaged everyone feels that they're um they're calling hopefully pursuing god um trying to do the thing that he he uh is asking them to do um but the young people are not the youth leader um the young people are called actually to follow christ uh, and to work out their own walk with christ rather than to emulate or copy the youth leaders walk so that for me that's one of the biggest dangers and obviously there are some safeguarding issues particularly with mentoring uh where um if people aren't following good practice then there's all kinds of um, traps that, that people might fall into sure well maybe we we, we can explore some of those in, in a little while um there's obviously there's 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 dangers both for the mentor and the mentee aren't there mm, yeah 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 so again I mean, we've you know so with the with with the mentor we mentioned that the the mentor you know it's quite a nice feeling when a young person comes to you or or anyone comes to you for help um and and a really nice feeling if you feel that you've been able to help them in some way it's easy to kind of lose sight of who is doing that work so it's one of the reasons that i prefer coaching to mentoring slightly and there's a bit of nuance there that we probably haven't got time to discuss today but you know essentially the coaching is is a is one step removed in terms of standing off so a, a coach will never um say this is the way walk in it in a way that a mentor may be tempted to or feel feel is appropriate a coach will will depend will spend much more time asking the young person in this case to uh, to work out what some of the options are and to get them to decide um what the next step might be yeah, so it's a, a sort of facilitation. Um, I guess it's in, in parenting terms, you're moving from the kind of con command control that you might have at primary school to a, a sort of secondary school approach where you you hopefully are asking the better questions, which allows the child to to, 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 to grow and, and make their own decisions. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, in, in youth work sectors, sometimes we talk about um, we, we'd like the young person to move from dependence into independence and ideally into interdependence, so they're back in um, relying on other people and hopefully contributing to, to, to other people as well. Uh, the risk with mentoring sometimes is that we've shifted the, the dependence of the young person from uh, their parent, perhaps, um, or, or their peers to the youth leader. And obviously that, um, again, that's a kind of an area we want to express some caution um, because we don't want the young person being dependent on a youth leader uh, for anything. Um, certainly not solely dependent on them. And, and I'm, I've alluded to youth work because that's, of course, part of your background. But um, mm. in the wider context of leadership, obviously adults are not immune from the dependency syndrome. Um, those involved in pastoral care and obviously some listeners who are ministers, vicars or whatever, are, are yeah. only too aware of the fact that, that in our broken world, um, some people fasten onto a leader because... For all sorts of reasons, they're giving them support and encouragement, but it's it's not always a healthy thing. Well, well, that's it. I mean, we've all we've all experienced, it, haven't we? Probably from both ends of of the spectrum, as it were. We, we've all been struggling and looking for some help or assistance or guidance or insight from somebody else. And when somebody offers us that, um, it, it can become quite easy to put them on a pedestal or to um, to disengage certain critical, appropriately critical parts of our brain. And likewise, if we're the one offering that help, it can it can be an easy temptation to start thinking that we know all the answers. And if they just do it the way that we think they should, then they'll be fine. And of course, 
what what works for us won't necessarily work for them anyway. Yeah, I'm trying to anticipate Andy the um, the kind of leader who might be reflecting on whether they should be doing one-to-one work themselves mm. and perhaps have been burned in the past, you know, maybe because they've, they've kind of realized that this, this has got too deep maybe than they'd expected, or they, they found insecurities in themselves being um, popped up <laughs> while they yeah. were chatting. And, and um, obviously there's always going to be a, an element of risk, but, it's useful to know how you extract yourself from those things. You know, if we, if if you're if we, you know how you extract yourself, then you're prepared to take the risk, <laughs> knowing that there's a way out. Um, and mm. otherwise, you never start anything like that, would you? Well, no, that's true, and that and that's why it's it's always important. You know, whether we're doing this um, with a, with a capital P professional place or, or or more as a you know, if we've got some kind of pastoral role and we're trying to help someone, um. The, the idea of contracting is really important here. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't need to be completely formal, but just that idea of saying, well, this is, you know, th- this is the discussions that we're likely to get into. This is what I'm equipped for as the, the coach or the mentor. Um, this is what you can expect from me. And also this this is what we, we won't be talking about. This is what, if we get into this, we're going to move on from it, or I'm going to signpost you, point you out to somebody else. So in, in coaching, you know, I, I do a lot of well-being coaching. Um, I've, I've got a history of mental health issues myself, so I feel I have some empathy with people who are struggling. But very quickly, I might, if I'm coaching somebody, um, and they disclose uh, feelings of, you know, self-harm, or they they've got complex mental health problems, for example, I wouldn't seek to to diagnose anything. I wouldn't seek to uh, to solve that. I would try and help them work out which professional is going to be appropriate, rather than to take that on myself. Andy, I think that's enormously helpful, not least because I don't think certainly church leaders necessarily frame um, the conversations they have in those ways because there's a whole bunch of unspoken assumptions. Uh, Sometimes they feel the pressure, and I've been in pastoral situations where I felt the pressure. Someone's come to you, you're the representative of God as a a leader, uh, you know, and and you're looking to help them and, and solve their issue, and and there's you know there's a lot of if it's a big issue, particularly quite a lot of tension in that, and and yeah. a lot of sense of responsibility, and um, so I think it's enormously helpful what you said that that even in in the informality of a pastoral situation, you could still frame things that mm. could head some things off at the pass, as it were, um, before they ever happen. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's again it's probably the coach in me <laughs> that mm. comes comes up with this but it's that you know for me those even those sometimes quite complex pastoral situations i think the role of the pastor whether they're a church leader or a youth worker or, or any other role um it is often often the most important part of it is to help the person work out what the questions they should be asking are because if it's a complex issue they're probably looking at things from a simplistic way they're probably desperately hoping for easy answers and if we're tempted to offer those easy answers, then we're probably not helping them anyway. So helping them work out what exactly is going on, what some of the complexities are, perhaps working out what what things to not try and solve immediately, or as I say, particularly to recognise that you as church leader or you as youth worker might not be the right person to help them solve those questions. 
but helping them work out what those questions are and what you know the next the next step it's always for me it comes down to what the one next step is that's the most important thing and if we're trying to take on the whole journey with somebody then we're probably putting ourselves in their way as much as helping them um and it might be useful just to uh, we you, we mentioned that we don't have time to look particularly at mentoring and coaching you've alluded to how coaching is facilitating others um in some people's minds there's a the, the mentoring concept of of modeling and urging people to follow in your footsteps so a, a preaching coach might say well this is how i prepare a sermon this is how i deliver it this is how you know uh, this might be a model for you or yeah. someone leading worship might do the same um and clearly how we do what we do does um have implications for whether there are likely to be issues or not so talk talk through what, what how you've come to your approach because obviously you help others to coach others as well yeah yeah so i mean for me some of it is rooted in um i I can't remember who but back back when i was a church-based youth worker somebody said to me that uh, a good youth worker um works him or herself out of a job you know that that if we're working with the young people well then we're going to get them to a place where they don't need us um and that and that's quite the challenge and we're coaching that's that's the thing that's where I've ended up is, you know, as I say that for me, I'm really, I've always been interested in what the questions are, what the questions are rather than necessarily the answers. And even that, um, you know, you, you talked about maybe a, 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 a preaching mentor might say, this is how I do it. I, I would always be, this is how I do it. Try it. And then let's play around the edges. Let's then let's work out what might, might be a good fit for you might not be a good fit for you and, and work out, how you can give yourself permission to do things differently to how I do it. Um, because it, the, the the result is the important thing rather than the delivery mechanism in that case. So when I'm coaching coaches, uh, one of the things we always do is to, to try and um, try and deliberately remove ourselves from the situation as much as we can. And it's actually sometimes more dangerous to coach somebody who is in a, a very familiar situation to you. You know, a lot of coaches will go and coach business or church leaders will coach other church leaders. And I think there's a real strength in that. But some of the dangers in that too are that you will you will think, oh, well, when I was in that situation, this is what I would have done, or this is what I did that was successful. And that may not be the right thing to do. Uh, and a coach, uh, technically a coach wouldn't ask those questions or wouldn't have that expectation in a way that a mentor might. Sure, because uh, context is often everything. And as unlikely someone else's context would be the same as yours and and therefore your advice is unlikely to be to be applicable anyway um yeah uh, and have you had situations where you've had to back out uh, obviously don't share particularly the names yeah. and whatever but uh, yeah yeah i mean I've, i it, it's not uncommon i mean the, the model of coaching i i always offer people a, a free introductory conversation anyway and it's um you know they absolutely have permission to not then sign up to me if i'm not the right fit for them and i have had people who i have thought you know, there's the relationship there, the empathy or the connection is just not there. So that's been, and I've definitely had people who the issues they're bringing have felt more like, well, actually that would be a counselling conversation or or that would be an area that I have no expertise and I, I'd struggle to um, to find the right questions to ask of them even. So it, it does happen. Um, but sometimes, as I say, somebody who's who's got no immediate intimate knowledge of the situation that you're wrestling with can can be more of an asset because they can offer things that um, that you wouldn't have seen because you're too closely uh, associated with what's going on. 
Andy, could you get be a sort of an advocate for coaching as a part of a leader's arsenal? Because mm. um, obviously people need, need to get appropriate training or read appropriate books or whatever. Um, and they may not have thought crumbs, you know, I haven't got a year to go and study or whatever. Um, yeah. But they therefore don't, use some of the approaches that the coaches and mentors can take. So maybe, maybe just, you know, imagine I'm a church leader. What, what would you say to me about the, this tool as, as, as part of my arsenal, if you like, of, of, of tools as a leader? Sure. So, I, I mean, a, a lot of, um, a, a lot of churches uh, are using coaching quite a lot anyway. So the Anglican church, particularly I've, I've got a few uh, clients in, in different contexts who are priests um, as part of their ongoing support and it's different it's a different and plus to um, things that they might have like peer support or um, non-managerial supervision of some kind whereas the, co the coaching for me for church leaders the thing it particularly offers is a chance to honestly reflect on who you are what it is that you're trying to do what you feel called to do unencumbered by anyone else's expectation of you other than your own and any discernment that you've had of what you might feel that uh, that God is calling you to do. And again, a, a coach will help people work out what the questions are that they should be asking, what the things that they should explore might be useful, um, and perhaps what are some of the distractions to put to one side. Um, so I've, I've certainly seen um, church leaders really benefit from coaching. Um, Particularly in, in well-being, you know, during the pandemic and stuff, um, a, a number a number of my clients were pastors who uh, were struggling with doing church in a new way, as well as trying to maintain the uh, the more traditional ways of doing it, and helping them work out what the what the must do's and what the can't do for nows might be. That was really helpful for their mental health and their well-being, as well as for their pastoral work. Uh, and in terms of leaders using coaching in their one-to-one -one relationships, I, I guess that to some extent that's quite tricky. If if there's an expectation of a pastoral vicar being quotes the teacher, um, mm. it can be a little disarming for the the congregation member to um, not receive this, that sort of support. Even though, actually, frankly, that might be the best approach. And obviously, it was a, an approach that Jesus constantly used within his ministry. Yeah, well, I, I would argue that. I mean, you know, I'm biased, but I would argue that that, that Jesus used um, techniques that we we would we would happily argue were coaching or or were based in some kind of coaching or not based in, but the other way, <laughs> inspired coaching in some way. Um, and for me, again, it's, it's that boundaries and that's it's that contracting thing. You know, if if I'm talking to people who I know quite well, and I find myself sipping into coaching kind of language or approach, which of course I do. Um, I'll make a point of going, you know, I'm just going to put my coaching hat on or something like that, or, or ask permission for of that person to, to, to take that approach. And obviously you respect if they don't want it done that way. So a pastor who's, um, who's got coaching as part of his or her toolkit. Um, I think as long as they are aware and as long as they're making everybody that they're talking to aware of, of what they're doing, why they're doing it, there's no, there's no significant reason why that couldn't happen. But I think it is probably easier to, to coach people that you are one or two steps removed from. So, um, again, I know ministers who are coaches, but they will often coach people in other parishes or in other contexts rather than people in their own congregations. Sure. And, and of course, this is all within the context of, of in some church leaderships, a kind of model of 
you send some away, someone away to, to theological college for three years and they come back and they dispense the wisdom mm. um, to the, <laughs> in a kind of learning model to the, the congregation, which is part of obviously of, you know, educating God's people in, in, in the truth, but it's not yeah. the whole part. And certainly from a leadership angle, you, you really don't want people, you know, focused and, and, and funneling all their energy to this one person, male no. or female. Um, anyway. No, and I mean, you know, I, I, I trained as a priest. I didn't get ordained in the end, but there's a myriad of things that you don't learn when you're <laughs> at theological college. Um, and and again, that's one thing, you know, my, one of my passions is to get coaching as part of training for ordination or whatever denominations have as their route. Um, so, so, so that the those who are leading churches are kind of hardwired to hold that reflective practice outside of what might appear to be a narrow stream of theological reflection, um, to think about their practice, their well-being, the impact that their decisions are having on their family, their congregants, and themselves. Um, and I'd love to see that as part of any church leader's DNA, um, because I think it's really helpful. And you could argue that the Ephesians 4, which gives us the what pastors, teachers should be doing, as well as apostles, prophets and evangelists, is to equip God's people for works of service, which sounds remarkably like coaching. Well, if it's done right, then hopefully that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing, yeah. Excellent. So, uh, Andy, you you run a, a coaching business. You'd, you've been involved as a youth worker in the past. And um, how, how does your business run and how could people get in touch with you? Yeah, so a lot of my business is 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 uh, primarily online, of course, partly um, pandemic. That's you know, as I was setting it up, that was the only way to do it. Um, but I do face to face stuff as well. So I'm I'm based in Walthamstow in East London, um, but I but I travel and I do a lot of stuff online. So people can find me via my um, my website, which is qua.co.uk, which is Q A W A H, as you reminded people earlier. Um, or I'm on social media as Qua Coaching at different places. Um, uh, yeah, just reach out for me, have a chat, and we'll see see what I can do to help you. Sure. And I understand you you can have a free chat initially, so there's no obligation. And I guess yeah, that's, no, absolutely, yeah. that's that's yeah. if someone's listening and thinking, oh, crumbs, yeah, maybe 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 not. Um, you know, they could just get in touch with you, and and that would be a good way of. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's always been part of my offer. I think it's really important. You know, it's not uncommon for me to recommend another coach or another trainer um, if 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 someone's better, you know, geographically placed or there's other reasons why they would be a better fit. Um, and certainly to kind of have that initial conversation to work out um, what I think coaching is and what the potential client, if it's coaching, um, might think coaching is, and make sure that we're a good match. Um, yeah, so I, I, I never want to oblige people. We always have that free conversation and see how we go from there. And the kind of length of sessions and a number of sessions, I, know I appreciate how long is a piece of string, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's something about, uh, in terms of the individual sessions, there's something about the 55-minute mark that seems to be a magic-ish number. Um, so um, I, I allow for between 45 minutes, an hour and a half. It's rare that they go over an hour. And in terms of number of sessions... I normally say to people, well, book up for four to six to start with, although I have people who just book up for one and then, you know, book up for others as they feel able. Um, it, it depends a little bit on what they want to talk about. And it's not uncommon, as I'm sure I'm sure none, no one listening to this will be surprised, to discover that the presenting issue is often not the thing that's important. So sometimes it takes a couple of sessions to work out that actually what we need to talk about is something completely different. 
Brilliant. Well, Andy, it's been thrilling to chat with you and um, shed light on this, uh, what I think is a key tool. Obviously, I'm a bit uh, convinced about that in, in the yeah. you realize that in the line of questioning but grateful for for you and people like you who are serving christian leaders uh, around the, around the uk so thank you so much thank you very much it was a great joy to chat with andy campbell of qua coaching uh his his details again q a w a h qua coaching uh, maybe you are aware of needing to see someone maybe andy would be a starting point or maybe you know a coach or mentor and it's time to get working with them we were looking at the challenges, but it's also a lot of potential coaching. And uh, as you gather, I'm a bit of a fan. So maybe this show is the prompt that you need to, to go and see someone and uh, get the help or support or encouragement that you need. It's been my privilege to be your host once again and uh, look forward to you joining us once again very soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.